Welcome to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Daly, entrepreneur, life coach, and your no BS bestie, here to bring you all things mindset, manifestation, and personal development. This podcast is designed to help you expand your mind and up-level your life. So turn the volume up and roll the windows down if you're coming along for the ride. Let's go Makeshift Happen. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Today, I have a really special guest on the show. I know you're going to be so excited to hear from her, and many of you are already familiar with her. I have Jordana Levin with me. She's the author of Make It Happen, a book all about manifestation that is such a staple that I'm sure many of you have read. So I'm so excited to dive in and talk to her, but she actually has a new book coming out very, very soon. It should be released by the time you're hearing this, and it's going to be an this awesome twist between manifestation and love and relationships and dating, which is something I know so many of you are craving to learn about and dive into. So I'm so excited to get into these topics today. Welcome to the show, Jordana. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm so excited to talk all things manifestation and dating. As I was just chatting to you before we hit record, relationships and love and dating is something that I've been super intrigued by recently. I'm reading all the books. I'm diving into it. So I can't wait to get my hands on on the new book. Um, but I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about your new baby that's about to come into the world and the name of the book and maybe like the inspiration behind it. Yeah. Well, it's called Higher Love. um, And basically, it stemmed from Make It Happen because when that book went out into the world, um, you know, it sort of just got, I wrote that book in eight weeks, Make It Happen, and it just kind of all sort of downloaded and I channeled most of it. And I put it out into the world. And I found that the chapter that most people resonated within that book or most people were sort of enthralled in was the love chapter. And I knew that that was because it was such an important chapter to me as well. Love and manifesting love had been such a big part of my 20s and my early 30s. Um, And it obviously hit the spot with people. And my publisher was trying to get me to come up with the next book. And I really didn't want to force it. But I just couldn't get this idea of love and writing about love out of my head. So I started to sort of sit down and sort of map out what that could look like if that chapter started to make its way into into an entire book. And that's kind of where we're at with higher love. It's it's bigger than manifestation. It's more than that. Like manifestation plays a part um, in the content of higher love, but it really is about changing our perceptions around love and the stories that we tell ourselves about love because they really start to frame how we show up in love and how we look for love. I mean, the stories that we tell ourselves in general about anything really are the basis and the the framework for how we end up showing up in the world and what we end up attracting to us, isn't it? So it's, it makes sense that if it's, if it's that way for everything else, why wouldn't it be that way for love, right? Uh, You know, the stories that we tell ourselves about what we deserve or what we're capable of or what's out there, what's available, right? I think one of the biggest things for a lot of women is maybe having a disbelief that love, true love, whatever that looks like for her, 
really is out there, mm. right? Maybe you've had enough experiences to make you a little bit jaded and start to tell yourself that story of, oh, but that's just in the movies or that's just a fairy tale or that doesn't exist or that won't happen for me. So I'd love for you to kind of talk about, yeah, your experience with that. What were maybe some of the stories that you told yourself that you then had to rewrite because you realized they were creating a result that was opposite of what you actually wanted? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first piece of this is that um, our self-worth and how we feel about ourselves and what we think we deserve in the world is a direct reflection of what we're going to manifest, you know? And I, I really spoke about that in Make It Happen, but it applies so much when it comes to love. And I think the worthiness piece around love is kind of um, muddled up from not just the stories we tell ourselves, but, you know, what we see in movies and what we read about in books and how we experience love through other people's relationships. And we have to remember that that's our perception of their relationship, not the reality of their relationship, you know. So for me, some of the stories that I told myself were that it wasn't so much that I didn't think that Hollywood romance didn't exist or that fairy, fairy tales weren't true. It was the opposite. It was it was holding out for the fairy tale and holding mm. out for the rom-com without all of the sort of in-between stuff. And whenever I experienced the in-between stuff, I felt like it wasn't right or, you know, something was a little bit off because it wasn't fitting that mould. And you know, sure, if I like sat down and thought about it, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm not modeling myself off, you know, the latest Kate Hudson movie. But subconsciously, I was. Um, some of the other things I tell myself is that there's no eligible single men out there. Um, all the good ones are taken. You know, these are very, very cliched stories. Yeah. I'm not special, you know. Um, and then also, you know, who would want me? You know, what What am I bringing to the table? Oh, why would somebody want to be with me when they can be with her? You know, that sort of stuff. And and this, like I said, this is very, very, very common. But because it's all playing in our subconscious and we don't take the time to actually sit down and really think about what those beliefs are that we're creating around love, we have no awareness about it. And that's what this book really is about. The first, the book's uh, split into three parts. And the first part really is about self-awareness, like having a look at yourself, what makes you feel good and how you want to feel in love, and then working out what stories are preventing you from feeling that. I love that. I always, self-awareness is like, I'm obsessed with it. Obviously, when you get get into this work, it's impossible not to be because it's the key to so many things, right? It's the key that unlocks everything. That's where we always have to start is just becoming aware. And I always say that to my clients is awareness is the first step to anything. You can't solve a problem if you don't know what it is right? So if you don't know why you keep getting the same result or you keep finding yourself unhappy in relationships, well, let's get let's get self-aware. Let's learn about, okay, who are you on your own, by yourself, at your core? What do your thoughts look like? How do you feel? How do you want to feel? What do you feel like is lacking? And then what are those beliefs that might be holding you back? What do you feel? How do you feel about men, right? I, I do this exercise sometimes that's like, you ask really quick priming questions like, what's your name? Where do you live? What's your favorite color? What's your daughter's name? Whatever, things like that. Easy questions. And then you insert men are and they have to fill in the blank. And it's like it gives you that impulse answer of 
whatever's going to come up for you. But finding finding ways to figure out what are those limiting beliefs that might be holding you back from actually creating the type of relationship that you want? Because we know that limiting beliefs are the number one thing that prevent us from manifesting anything, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I think the thing about beliefs that people aren't really aware of, they sort of they sort of feel like they they were born with a belief system, which just is not right. at all. And a belief system we take on from, yeah, from our family and our friends growing up, perhaps our teachers, what we're watching on television, all the rest of it. But a belief simply is a thought that we've had over and over and over again until we believe it to be true. And knowing that, we can manipulate it, we can hack it to start thinking over and over and over again the positive thoughts so we can reframe our belief systems. And it's not about faking it till you make it. Like we really are trying to believe it, but you're only going to do that if you keep bringing yourself back into alignment with a new thought pattern. Yeah, it's... it's um. I think the initial reaction sometimes to understanding that your beliefs are built in part by you, but also by society and, you know, what you absorb to be true and what you saw in the world, you start to, the initial reaction might be like, oh shit, (laughs) these are all the things that I actually believe. Like, shit, well, that's, you know, totally messed up. That's not getting me where I want to go. But like you said, when you know that that system works, then you can just reverse engineer it, right? We know that the system works. Repeating the belief, seeing it over and over, feeling it to be true. Okay, now you have that belief and it's literally impacting your reality and the things that you're able to create and attract and have. So great, at least we know the system works. Now we can hack it. And now we can just implement the ones that we want to believe, the things that feel truer and more beautiful and more empowering for us and use that same system. But that requires, you know, of course, one, the self-awareness around what what those beliefs actually are. And then two, you know, the willingness to do the work and really figure out how to rewrite those stories and the discipline to continue to do it over and over again. Because I think a lot of people will write some affirmations you know, trying to change out those beliefs and be like, I don't know, but like I, you know, it hasn't worked yet. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that's the key, right? Like it's one thing to write the new thought down and and maybe think about it every now and then, but you've got to be able to take responsibility for it and take action and, you know, have the feelings around it as well, because just repeating a thought over and over again, uh, isn't actually shifting anything. And it, the, this part about responsibility is something that I think is important, especially when we talk about manifestation, because you talk about this a lot in Make It Happen, the idea, you know, the kind of old age idea of manifestation that's just think positive thoughts and positive, th- positive things will happen, right? Think it to be true and it will, it will come <laughs> into fruition. And obviously we know that that's not the whole equation, right? Yeah. And so – you know, your manifestation equation that you give in the book is thoughts plus feelings plus actions plus faith. Yeah. And so that action piece is in there. Of course, we have to take the aligned action and actually do something about it. But in terms of radical responsibility, to me, what that means is always asking, what is my role in this? Which is really hard. It requires a lot of self-awareness, right? We don't want to believe that we 
play a part in our negative experiences or the negative outcomes or, you know, the things that may, may happen to us in life. Um, but really understanding that things are happening for you so that you can ask, okay, what is my role in this, right? Where can I take responsibility? Where am I maybe not doing enough or where could I be doing something differently? So I love be doing less. You know, yeah, like, too. If you're forcing too much, yeah, yeah, that manic sort of manifesting energy that's like, you know, very forceful, attached to the outcome, um, lacking that piece of surrender. And this is the responsibility piece. It's finding that really beautiful balance between action and surrender. You know, I think sometimes, and this is the self awareness piece again, right? It's like you have to be aware of what's going on so you can decide whether it's time to take a line to action or whether you've actually done enough and it's time to have faith and let go. And it really is about dancing between the two as often as you can. Because if mm-hmm. we're constantly acting and we're not taking time to sit back and trust, then we miss the manifestations. They go straight past us. Yeah, I think that's like more so where maybe I struggle in my own manifestation practice is always that side of the spectrum of like, where can I do less? <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> like you're doing too much. Like, because I'm very much in my masculine energy more than my feminine. And I know yeah. that you're into all the, the astrology and energetic <laughs> side of things. Yeah. So you'll understand this, but yeah, trying to strike that balance between I'm in control, I'm in charge, do, do, do. And also, hang on a second, but I'm also co-creating. Yeah. Right? I have to surrender and trust and allow and be in the energy of receiving. Absolutely. I am 100% the same. I am so in my masculine and um, I'm a very capable capable woman. And so I like to take action as much as I can. And I learned the hard way that taking more action doesn't necessarily equal a better outcome if I can't balance it out with sitting back sometimes and surrendering. And that, look, it just, it just takes practice. Mm-hmm. But I think when you, sorry, I think when you can believe in yourself and your worthiness and your deservedness, you don't have to push so hard because, you know, what is meant for you will come to you. Yeah, that's yeah. so true too. Yeah, it's building up that that belief. And we talk about faith in a higher power, faith in the universe, faith in God, faith in in something, right? But also that faith and trust in yourself yeah. too is sometimes lacking of, of knowing that you are worthy of it and that you're capable of it and that it's available to you. Absolutely. I I wanted to I, I wanted to ask you earlier when you were talking about surrendering for you. What does that look like? Because this is the part of the process that I think everybody's like, just like, <laughs> how? But how? How do we surrender, right? So when when it's your time to kind of let go, trust, and surrender, what does that look like? It Honestly, it's just about doing less. So for me, I have so many practices around manifestation. Um, and over the years, and especially since I wrote Make It Happen, I've just been doing less and less and less around it. If I can say, you know, this is my intention, are my thoughts aligned with it? Yes. Am I feeling the feelings that I want to create around this intention? Yep. Tick. Have I taken some action steps to get closer to it? 
or alternatively, are my actions aligned with it? So, you know, have I taken steps to get closer? Tick. Are the other actions that I do day-to-day aligned with it or getting me further away from it? And if all of that has been ticked off, then I just need to sit back and surrender. And for me, it's actually doing activities that allow my body to let go. So for me personally, it's stuff like meditation. It's stuff like yin yoga, um, going for walks in nature, you know, socializing with my friends. You know, I think when, when we're holding on too tight, that can look different for everybody. But for a lot of people, it's mulling over the intention over and over and over again. And pulling more oracle cards and writing more things in my journal and scripting and, you know, just like becoming obsessed with the intention itself. But it's like I have put it out into the universe. My thoughts are aligned. My feelings are aligned. My actions are aligned. Hands up in the air. Forget about it. Walk away. Mm -hmm. And that's surrender for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because all of the, all of the activities that you mentioned, you know, to help you surrender are all of the things that are going to put you in the vibe, right? They're going to get you energetically aligned with the the life that you're trying to create or the goal or the intention that you're trying to reach because you are feeling good. And when you're feeling good, you become magnetic to the things that you desire. So it's actually allowing time and space also for yourself to enjoy the things that you've created and feel good and feel abundant in what you already have and where you already are, which is something that we so forget when we get lost in the intentions and the manifestations of, oh, you know, I'll feel good when I have that. And when I get there, then it'll be like this. But when you can actually sit and in your life and actually be in your life how it is now, practicing yoga or meditating or hanging out with friends or just doing anything that makes you feel joyful, going for a walk, going to the beach, that puts you in that energy of like, I, I'm grateful for all that I have. Absolutely. In Higher Love, we spend that first part of the book talking about um, or figuring out what your personal vibration is. And this is this is what you're alluding to. It's this idea of, you know, what is it that strengthens your vibration and what is it that weakens it? And this is before we even talk about manifesting love. This is purely to get you into a vibrational frequency so that you don't actually have to actively manifest anything because everything that's in your highest interest is automatically magnetized towards you because of the vibration that you're emitting. So looking at the things that strengthen your vibration and, yeah, some of the things we mentioned before, but it's the things that light you up, that make you feel joy, that make you feel abundant. And it can be as simple as hanging out with girlfriends on a Friday night, having a glass of wine, you know, or it could be playing with your pet or whatever it might be. But the things that lift you up and bring you into alignment with your most authentic self and equally being conscious of the things that weaken your vibration. So what are the things in your life that pull you further away from alignment with your authenticity? And for a lot of people, it could be a toxic work environment, a toxic relationship. It could just be, you know, doing things that aren't satisfying your soul and just figuring out what they are. And again, it's that self-awareness piece. It's like, oh, you could sit here and have a quick five-second think about it or sit down and consciously start to write what's strengthening your vibration and what's weakening it and starting to prioritize those things that strengthen it. 
Yeah, that's huge is, is making it a priority, the things that are raising it versus the things that are weakening it. And like we talked about earlier, I think a, a lot of what's lacking is the self-awareness. If you don't, if you're not actually conscious of this makes me feel good and this makes me feel down and you're just kind of living in that autopilot place that we've all been, right? Like we've all been at some point living kind of autopilot, right? And then you, and then you get awakened and you're like, wait, (laughs) what's happening here? So I think that's the piece that, that is the starting point for so many is doing exactly what you've said, understanding, okay, what is my personal vibration? What are the things that raise it? What are the things that lower it? And how can I be more conscious and more intentional about focusing my time and energy and money on the things that actually make me feel good. And, Mm. you know, I think feeling good is so underrated and it's something that I (laughs) always, I always talk about and preach about. I'm like, look, your, your focus is to feel good. And if journaling doesn't feel good for you, if it feels forceful, if you have to like, you know, shame yourself into doing it because you're going to feel guilty for not doing it because you think if you don't do it, you won't be successful and the manifestation won't come through, then you're not going to get the result from journaling that you thought you were going to get from it anyway, right? So yeah, if, if journaling is something that lowers your vibe, don't do then it. <laughs> don't do it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think people just need to hear that mm. because in especially in this space, you know, there's so many people and books and podcasts and things that will say, you know, this is the exact morning routine that you need to do. This is the time that you need to wake up. These are the activities that you need to do. If you're not doing these, if you're not cold plunging and, you know, all the crazy things, like if you're not doing this, then you're not going to be as successful as you could be. And I think I, I sort of go against the grain with that in in saying that you should do what feels good. Absolutely. You should prioritize what is for your highest good and for that's going to raise your personal vibration. Yeah. And it couldn't be any more um, significant when it comes to dating because I think that for women especially, and I'm sure it's the same for men in some respects, but for women especially, we go – into a dating experience, a first date, perhaps we're just chatting online and we think, who do they want me to be? How can I be the person that they choose? Mm -hmm. And what I'm saying is, can you start to sit on those dates and instead of thinking, oh God, I hope he likes me, start thinking, is he someone that I want to spend more time with? Do I like him? I think so many women don't ask themselves that question. Do I actually like this guy? I have ended up in so many relationship, relationships, not just dating experiences, where I've been like, I really love you, but I'm actually not sure if I like you and I don't know how I ended up here, you know, because I just yeah. needed to be chosen. And I don't think that is something reserved for me. I think it's quite common amongst women. But when we can go in with a personal vibration and start to think, okay, is this person um, strengthening the authenticity that is me or am I starting to feel quite weakened by it? Are these red flags weakening who I am when I'm in alignment? And am I willing to compromise that for a relationship? Hmm. Mm. And I think uh, like that comes from one for, for some women is like you said, they just want to be chosen. And I think that's a normal, a normal desire that we have. But when we go deeper, with our need to be chosen, we might start to uncover some things about what we truly believe about our self-worth. 
and about our ability to be chosen, right? And, or even about our, our ability to choose others, like you're saying, right? Like, why don't I get to choose? Have, have I even ever questioned that for myself, right? And why is that a thing? Why have I never once gone into a date and been like, well, we'll see if I like him and we'll see if not, right? Because I get to choose. This is my life and it's my, it's my dating. It's my relationship. So it's, it's self-worth and also, yeah, those, those doubts and fears about perhaps, you know, is there someone out there that's really going to choose me? And if this person does choose me, then great. Like I'll just be chosen because I think that's a story for a lot of women too. Absolutely. 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 And this is why the self-awareness piece is so important because, you know, I think um, a lot of women, especially let's talk about manifesting love. A lot of women will sit down and write a list of their partner's ideal traits, you know, and hoping that that's going to be the thing that um, creates this man in front of them, the perfect man. And I have really started telling women and I tell them in the book, I want you to throw that list out. It's a bunch of bullshit. And what we really need to start writing a list on is how you want to feel in love so that when you're in that situation, you can start using that list as a barometer of whether you're closer to the love that you desire, the higher love that you long for, or whether your needs are really not being met, you know? And I think that that's a really simple list to write. And it's not how they're going to make you feel, but how are you going to feel? How are you going to feel day to day in that relationship? Can you feel joy? Can you feel freedom? Is safety and security important to you? Is stability important? Is consistency important? You know, like all of these things that make you feel aligned, are they being met by your partner rather than he's tall, he's, you know, rich, whatever it might be, you know, (laughs) brunette, facial hair, you know, I don't know what people write on their lists. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I don't know. I don't have one of those. Um, but, and then the follow-up to that would be once you're clear about how do I want to feel in love, wouldn't the follow-up to that be, okay, how can I start to experience that now? Absolutely. How can I start to feel that now? How can I feel fun and safe and joyful now before the guy? Yeah, absolutely. Can I satisfy these things within myself? Because I think when we start going into relationships with a bunch of holes that we're looking for someone else to plug or to fill, gaps in our lives, that's when we start to run into issues and that's when we start to feel a level of dependency on our partner and it's less about them and it's more about the things that we feel that they offer us to make us feel whole and complete. You know, and I'm not saying that you need to go in as a complete perfect person. You know, nobody is like that. And sure, find someone who compliments you, but you need to be able to satisfy your own needs independent of that relationship in order for that relationship to flourish. And this is why the self-awareness piece before we enter relationships, and especially when we exit relationships before we enter the next one, Mm -hmm. is so important and vital. And look, I am saying in this book, You can go and find love. If you want to find average love and you want to be in a long-term relationship, that's fine. Like there's plenty of ways to do that. I'm trying to get people to look for this new form of love, which is a higher love. And it's a kind of love that lifts you up, that raises your vibration, yeah, and doesn't just have you in a long-term relationship so that you're not a single gal anymore. You know, it, it offers you so much more than just not being single. 
<laughs> which I think is one of the things people are in a relationship for. Exactly. That's so true. It's like, I'd just rather be with someone than be alone. Than be alone. Yeah. And that's something to really question too. But I think you made such a good point there. And even outside of relationships, I think it's true. Having that self-awareness piece and that pause between experiences, whether it's a relationship or a lot of times I see this with jobs and careers. If if you overlap one toxic job with an application to the next and you're just kind of rushing to get out the door to the next thing and you're not really taking the time to be conscious of, okay, what are the things that I disliked about this? How was this not serving me? How was this lowering my vibration? What am I actually looking for in my next career move? You're going to go quickly into a next job and find out that there's a lot of similar things that you dislike about it again mm. because you you haven't gotten clear about what it is that you're looking for. So anything that comes along, it's like, great, okay, security, safety, paycheck. Here we go. And that's what happens when you kind of have that experience in relationships too is like, I'd rather be with someone than be alone. So boom, boom, boom from one to the next. And why do I keep having similar experiences and being disappointed in similar ways? Well, you know, no surprise. It's because there's no awareness around what it is that you're attracting, what you're looking for and how you want to feel, right? You're not asking yourself those questions before getting involved. There's an exercise in the book where, because I call it closing the loop, like you have to close the loop on relationships or jobs and take the, extract the lessons that you can so that, you know, you're serving yourself in the next job, relationship, whatever. And there's an exercise in the book where I ask you to go through every single romantic interaction you've had, whether it's dating someone long-term, whether it's just going out on a few dates, whether it was a crush that never turned into anything and going through and having a look what needs to find closure in that relationship. Because I think we take these experiences from any kind of romantic interaction we've had, we use them to frame who we think we are because of that. And then we take it in as baggage to the next relationship. Again, whether we're conscious of conscious of it or not you know and that starts to mean that we're treating this new experience as if it was the old experience and it's not Mm -hmm. it's a completely it's a completely new thing so but in order to treat something as a new experience we need to have dealt with the lessons the wounds the baggage that we've been carrying from the past one and I think it's it can be painful you know so people skip it they're just like oh god no I just want to get through this I you know I grieved it I cried for a couple of weeks and now I just want to move on with someone else that'll make me feel better and that's fine but it starts to sort of erupt below the surface and this is when we start seeing patterns in relationships the thing is is like a lot of people say oh I'm always attracted to this type of no no sorry they always say why is this kind of guy always attracted to me? Like, why do I always end up with, you know, the narcissist or the um, Scorpio or, you know, whatever it might be. It could be a star sign. <laughs> but I'm I'm saying to women, you Those know. Those two terms are not synonymous. <laughs> Don't are. hate us no, for no. that. No, no, narcissists, not Scorpios. Scorpios are not narcissists. Um, but they might say to themselves, you know, why are those? Why do I always attract these kind of men? Like what's going on? And it's like, no, no, you're you're actually attracted to them. Like there's something in them that's making you feel like you need that. So in terms of the narcissist who I was always attracted to, I was attracted to the narcissist because I found him charismatic and really confident 
and he had his shit together. But he didn't have his shit together. He was just very, very self-absorbed. And I had to look at why I found that attractive, you know, and because that was my work. It, you know, once it ended with him, not my problem, you know, his stuff, not my shit. It's my shit that I've got to deal with. So really mm-hmm. being able to sit down and have a look at why your patterns are playing out. Yeah, looking at the patterns is like it's something I think people don't really want to do, but it's so important because that's going to give you answers. That's going to give you clues as to, okay, what do I need to work on? What 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 am I, what's happening unconsciously here? What's happening below the surface? Because if there is a pattern, you're always, you end up with the same type of guy or you have the same type of problem or there's always cheating or infidelity or inconsistent communication or yeah. flakiness or whatever it is that that really bothers you. And that's kind of, a a thread or a theme throughout your romantic relationships, looking at that and taking the time to ask, okay, why, why, why do I feel like I'm a magnet for these type of guys? What is it about me that makes me that magnet? Or what is it about, yeah, me that, that attracts those type of experiences over and over. And like you said, sometimes it is that you are attracted to that because when you repeat, it's kind of like with the beliefs, but when you repeat an experience so often, it becomes the path of least resistance for your brain. And oftentimes we confuse the excitement or the thrill of the chase or, you know, the inconsistency or the hard to get as being uh, like the attraction, as being the pull, as being the love, as being the lust. Absolutely. Yeah, the passion. I um, I talk about, there's a whole chapter in the books about the energetics of dating and like what's happening from an energetic perspective when we're stuck in these patterns like the chase, whether you are the one being chased or a lot of women fall into the trap of being the chaser. They like the pursuit. You know, we think that that's a male thing, but it's not. Women love the pursuit. And then when they get it, they're like, hmm. And that's because, <laughs> and that's because we create in our minds, and this is not just women, this is men as well, we create in our minds who we think this person is, and it's not actually who they are. So it's about not dating their potential and actually seeing the person who is in front of you, you know, and, and you know, some of the other things that we look at are, is um, unrequited love, you know, this feeling of always loving someone more than they actually love you or that or perhaps they don't even love you at all and or sitting back and being in love with someone that you're not actually experiencing love with and where is that perception of love coming from the baggage and the wounds that we bring into relationships we kind of touched on that before and having a look at what baggage is being brought in and the energy of that and how that impacts you and your personal vibration. And I think that when we can start to look at our patterns from an energetic perspective, how they're making us feel vibrationally, Mm. for me, and I feel like for a lot of your listeners who are into this work, it's more of an impetus to work on it, right? Like if you can see your energy being affected and how that's going to affect your manifestations in every other area of your life, gives you impetus to want to work on it. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And I think that's a um it's it's more enticing to to look at your patterns when you can think about it that way because again, like we said, this isn't the most exciting uh this isn't the most exciting work and that's why a lot of people skip it, right? It's like, oh, you know, like that's fine. That's in the past. I've done it. We'll move on. But 
it's going to keep perpetuating until you do that exercise, like you said, of, of closing the loop. Yeah. So I think that's going to be huge for these women when, when they read the book and they can actually start to, to uncover what that looks like for themselves and do that process of looking at the patterns and closing the loop so that they can really kind of turn the page and start fresh and feel like they're going into the next relationship or the next you know, wave of dating from a new perspective and really understanding themselves and what they're looking for. Absolutely. And that is the exciting piece. You know, the the sitting down and doing the work, perhaps not so exciting, although enlightening. But when you can sit on a date and actually have dating experiences that don't have you feeling like you're sitting in this pool of choose me, choose me, low self-worth, it is really exciting. It's empowering even. And that's really what this book is about as well. It's like empowering you as you head out on the dating scene looking for your higher love. It should be a fun experience. You know, you should be able to sit there and go, yeah, this guy is actually making me feel that great. So let's move on to the next one, you know, rather than going, oh, God, he didn't choose me. Oh, God, I've got to go back out there again. I'm sick of this, you know, and really finding the joy and excitement in finding love. Especially nowadays with dating apps, there's a, there's a whole new complication and energy around what is required of, of you to date successfully. And there's a lot of people that are resistant to using dating apps. But now, especially with the, you know, the state of the world, it's kind of like, well, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's the name of the game these days. Um, but that obviously presents lots of new fears and challenges. And I was I was just talking to a client the other day and we were talking about this exact thing about this should be fun, right? So going on the dating app shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, this is torturous and nobody's out there and look at all these shitty guys and I don't want any of them. It should be like, oh my God, I get to basically walk through every bar in my city and see all the guys lined up and just be be the bachelorette and basically yeah. be like, okay, contestant two, four, and six, we'll see what happens. The three, five, and eight, you're definitely not it for me. But like looking at it from a new perspective and a new energy of like this gets to be fun and I get to choose rather than, oh, I hope someone picks me because that's <laughs> that's like a sad energy. Absolutely. And I've got to say, like, I really think, I mean, I'm all up for being picked up at a bar, but I do think that it's a lot harder to be picking up and dating in the wild than it is on the app. You know, like if you're serious about dating and you want to go out on a date and start having conversations with people, the immediacy and the efficiency of app dating is unparalleled. You know, you can sit in a bar for weeks before anyone picks you up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in terms of meeting a lot of the women that I talk to are like, oh, they, you know, I don't know these guys. They're strangers. I'm like, the guy in the bar is a stranger as well. Just because he's standing in front of you doesn't make him any more real than the guy on the screen. And I know that the pandemic um, has made people a little bit more active on the apps. And I think that's actually been one of the silver linings of all of this because, you know, a lot of people didn't have a choice. And so going on there and seeing what they're all about has been really eye-opening for people. I've got 
quite a big chunk of the book dedicated to apps and really teaching women how to use them consciously because I think we do go on there and we use them mindlessly where we sort of sit there for hours just kind of swiping and not really taking the time to tune into the guy's energy, read the profile, look at the pictures and having conversations that mean something and get us closer to figuring out you know, whether we have value alignment with this person or not. Um, and I think once you can start to use it from a more conscious perspective, it does start to be a little bit more rewarding. Because the thing with dating apps that we have to think about is the time on the app isn't really dating. It's the pregame warm up. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, getting ready to go out and date. So you can't take what happens on that app personally because these people don't know you, you know. So you still have complete sovereignty over your own energy and that's really empowering as well, I think. And I think it's it's worth mentioning kind of what you were describing there is like I look at the app as sort of like this microcosm, but it's really a reflection of the real world like what we're talking about. So, you know, are there going to be people on there that aren't looking for serious relationships and they're only looking for sex? Yeah. Yes. But are you going to also <laughs> find that guy in the bar? Yeah. You know, are there going to be people on there that totally do not vibe with you at all and it's a hard no and not a fit? 100%. But would you find those people in the bar or wherever else out in the in the wild, as you say? Yes. Of course. And how long would it take you to potentially – find someone that you find physically attractive and you connect on an emotional level and you align with your values. Like, you know, in the real world, that would take some time and that would take some hunting. And so we can't also then expect that it's just going to be the first person that you match with on the app either. And understanding that there's going to be a ratio, there's going to be, you have to do that kind of pregame warmup, as you said, with a lot more people before you actually get to that smaller group that are like contenders and then that even smaller group that are the ones you're actually going to go out and date. And it doesn't mean that you've dated 58 guys until you found one, right? <laughs> it, you found one and you're potentially going to go on a date now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a real reflection. And I think I could just think that's so important for anyone who's hesitant about getting on the apps because of whatever, like stigmas they have about who's on there and what the intentions of the people are on there. I mean, the intentions of people in the real world <laughs> are also really sketchy sometimes. So Absolutely. You can find out more about someone on an app than you can, you know, just meeting them. I mean, some of the things that get ticked off in the app profile and not something you'd ask someone that you met at a bar, you know? So you're looking for something casual? Like, what are you into? Do you want to have kids? Like, do you take drugs? You know, how much do you drink? You know, and that's all there for you to look at straight off the bat. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, they might, they might be dishonest, but I, I find most people, I've had really good app experiences. You've had great app experiences. I feel like there's so many great stories that outweigh all those shit ones. And I think the other thing to think about is there's lots of different apps. I mean, in a, I'm in Australia. We have we have about three main dating apps. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what what you guys are using, but we have one called Bumble. You, mm -hmm. you guys got Bumble, right? Yeah. Yep. So where women where women make the first move. I find that a little bit more empowering. It's bloody hard sometimes to come up with the opening one liner, but it does 
give me a level of safety and security that some of the other apps don't offer where I can just be contacted by anyone really. And, you know, some of the, some of the other ones like Tinder in Australia can be a little bit sleazy, a little bit kind of hookup vibe where Bumble and Hinge seem to be a little bit more kind of sophisticated in a way. Yeah, that's, just, that's the same. And I think yeah. they go through they go through waves, right? Because, yeah. I mean, Tinder is like the OG. Yeah. That was like <laughs> one of the original, like, you know, apps. And so now it's gotten super sleazy. And then there's like the newbies that have come up, which are like Bumble and Hinge, and they're more respected right now. But maybe someday they'll turn. You never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> But yeah. it's kind of – I think that's the same um, uh, in the States for sure. Um, but yeah, it, I think like what would you say to a woman who's maybe um, on the apps but she hasn't had a great experience or just lack thereof, right? Hasn't had success in matching with people that she yeah. feels like really she connects with give us some tips on what she can do, whether it's to her profile or that opening line or even just a a mindset shift, a perspective. What would you say to someone who's feeling maybe burnt out from the apps? It's like, I don't really feel like it's working. Yeah. I think you need to start by prioritizing um, the effort that you put into your own profile. So making sure that the pictures that you choose are a true reflection of yourself. I always say, you know, make sure that the photos are within a 24-month period, 12-month periods even better. Um, Try and limit filtered photos. You know, you want to be able to put out your authentic self. You know, it's, it's one thing thinking that you look better with five filters on your photo, but eventually the idea is to meet them in the flesh and you want that to be a true reflection of who you are. Uh, limit the selfies where you can. I mean, a lot of people aren't posing for group photos or maybe they don't want their friends in the photos. But, you know, if you've got one or two selfies, fine, but not like five, a whole gallery of selfie photos. Um, If you can, a full body shot. And it's not about, you know, showing your body off to somebody or, you know, this sort of superficial idea that they need to be attracted to your body, but your whole body is going to turn up to that date as well. You know, they're not dating your head. And I think that it's, again, it's about being your authentic self and showing up fully on the app. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a bikini shot or you don't even have to be in active wear, but just some sort of an idea of who you are as a whole person. And when I spoke to a lot of men and women, this was important to them. So, you know, at first when men started saying it to me, I got really offended, like for me and like for all women, I'm like, why should you have to see our bodies? But really it is, it's a true reflection of you. And, you know, when it comes to photos, I want you to look at the photo and think to yourself, how was I feeling in this photo? Is this photo a true reflection of me as a person or was I putting on a mask that day? Or, you know, was I feeling something that wasn't really who, who I want to be showing up as? In terms of your profile, again, you know, honesty and authenticity. And, you know, if you're funny, write something witty. If you're super serious and you're looking for something specific, put it on there. Like this is your one opportunity to show who you are. And it's the first time that they're going to be in contact with your personal vibration, you know? So if, you know, if having children is important to you and that's a box that you're able to tick on your profile, put it on there. 
you know? And also when you're looking at other people's profiles, look at what they're giving you, you know? Don't make assumptions. There's so many women that go onto these apps and a guy has ticked, I'm here looking for something casual. And women subconsciously think, oh, I'm going to be the one to change his mind, you know? (laughs) I'll still swipe for him even though I'm looking for a relationship because I'll make, I'll be the one that makes a difference. No, don't swipe for him. If you're looking for a relationship, don't swipe for someone who has intentiously and consciously told you that they're looking for something casual, you know? Um, and when you're, when, when you are swiping, give people the time of day that you would like people to give you. What I've learned on the apps is that there's a lot of great men on there who are really shit at writing profiles and putting up nice pictures of themselves. So really take the time and give people the benefit of the doubt, you know? I mean, this is all good information, especially about the photos, because I think this is like the nitty gritty tangible stuff that that people are looking for, right? How do I actually construct this profile? But what I wanted to touch on there was how you're talking about showing up honestly and authentically because there's this fear of, oh, if I'm honest about what I want, then nobody else will want that and I want to be chosen, right? So I'm going to be the cool girl. I'm going to be the chill one. I'll just say, oh, yeah, like maybe someday kids and maybe, maybe this, maybe that. The problem with that, right, is that this is your opportunity to set up a filter, this is your opportunity to have a filtration system of letting the right people in that align with what you want and keeping out the wrong people as you were talking about. Don't swipe for the person that doesn't align with what you're looking for. And in the same way, don't be dishonest about your true desires or don't minimize or dilute your true desires for fear that you won't be chosen because you're just going to end up attracting people that don't match with that desire. And the only way to get the type of people that also want, for example, a serious relationship or kids or whatever it is that you're looking for is to be honest about it and allow those people to come and be like, oh, she's looking for something serious. I am too. <laughs> like we, we, we overthink it so much. We think that nobody else wants the same things as us. And so we have to be like everybody else. But as soon as you become like everybody else, you start to attract way too many people of all different types that don't actually match with what you're looking for. Yeah. Absolutely. So being <laughs> being being honest in in what it is that you want, which I think is something that a lot of women fear is showing up as their full authentic self and and being completely honest about what it is that they're actually looking for. And there's nothing wrong with the guy that is saying he wants something casual. He's being honest and authentic by being like, hey, just so you know, not trying to date you. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And this is why self-awareness is so important before you even hop on the apps, because if you want to show up as your authentic self, you've got to know who your authentic self is. You've got to know what you're looking for in love. You've got to know what's important and what you value. And until you do, then yeah, it's going to be a shit show on there. And I'm just curious from your perspective, Mm -hmm. after you've maybe been chatting back and forth with someone on the apps and you feel like there's a good energy going and there might be like a vibe and you're interested in them, is there any, do you have in your experience any sort of recommended timeframe of when do you get off of the app and bring it to a different type of conversation 
or like in person? Uh, I would never want to give anyone a set of rules because I hate rules. But for me personally, I don't talk for longer than three days on an app. If I'm not getting anywhere in three days of communicating and I'm not interested in taking it further and, and taking it further doesn't have to mean a physical date, but it could mean a phone call or it could mean text messages, Ooh, like sharing your phone number or <laughs> You know, what we've been doing during the pandemic is hopping on Zoom dates, you know. And for me personally, I'm such a communicator. Conversation is so important to me. I would really love to have a phone conversation or a Zoom call with someone before hopping out into the flesh, into the real world, just to see if there is some sort of chemistry or energy. Because I think that, and this has happened to me before, you know, as a writer, I can be very attracted to someone's words, but it doesn't translate to their actions or their in-person conversation. So, you know, it's different for everybody, but I think we're not looking for pen pals here unless you are, but I'm not. And so three days should be enough time to know whether or not this is kind of going somewhere or whether, you know, you guys are just bored and it's nice to have someone to talk to. Yeah. I think that's really great advice. Oh my gosh. This has been so, so good and so many good tips. I love all of the tangible action steps for these women, especially with their dating profiles and everything. But I know that there's so much more in this book, Higher Love, that's really Mm going to help them with all steps of this process, right? That initial self-awareness piece, closing the loop, and then kind of starting fresh and figuring out how they're going to move forward. Um, So I'm so excited. I'm I'm excited for myself to get the book because I haven't read it yet and I can't wait. Um, So I know everybody else is probably very, very excited. By the time you guys are listening to this, it should be out. So there will be links in the show notes to go grab the book, Higher Love. It's going to be absolutely excellent. But before we go, um, I wanted to ask you if there was, if you could give the listeners one tip for cultivating a higher love in today's world. I know we've talked about a lot of these elements, but what is the thing that stands out to you the most when it comes to cultivating that higher love? Honestly, it's such a boring answer and it's such a cliche thing to say, but it's really about finding a higher love with yourself and sitting down, like like I said before, and really working out how you want to feel in love and how you can start to satisfy those feelings right now, today. I think it's the I think it's the game changer for taking yourself from falling into relationships and actually rising up into a higher love. I love that. And that's such a it's such a common it's such a common thread through everything in our lives, right? Doing that work of cultivating a higher love within yourself is not only going to help you rise to that higher love with somebody else, but it's also going to help attract a lot of your desires and manifestations to you and build and create the life of your dreams. So that's an amazing first step, regardless of where you're at, what, you know, whatever's going on in your life while listening to this. I think there's something to be learned from that concept and from this book, even regardless of, you know, where you're at relationship status wise it sounds like there's a lot in there that's just generally good information and really applicable and helpful for life in general. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I just wanted to say just before we go, um, 
I actually created a podcast series that lines up with the book, Higher Love, because the book itself is a lot about my personal story. There's a lot of personal story in there. But the podcast, I actually got three different women in Australia to implement some of the concepts in the book and talk about it from their perspective. So it's a really beautiful way to personalize and um, find relatability in a lot of the content we talk about in the book, Higher Love. Yes. I listened to that podcast series and it was, it was really fun because it's super relatable. You hear directly from those women who are real life women in Australia who are dating. They're on the apps. They're all different ages and at different stages in life and looking for different things and they have their own different patterns. So definitely go and check out that podcast. I will link it in the show notes for you guys as well. But for everyone who wants to connect with you, Jordana, please share with them where they can find you on socials and your website and uh, where they can get the book. Okay, so my website is uh, jordanalevine.com and my Instagram, which is where I hang out the most on social, is at jordanalevine. Um, The book is available everywhere. Um, If you are outside of Australia and New Zealand, you'll need to order it online. So from Amazon or from Book Depository is probably your best bet. It takes a few months for it to be released in the States and the UK and Europe. So if you are outside Australia or New Zealand, yeah, online's your best bet. If you're in Australia or New Zealand, all good bookstores. Amazing. I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jordana. It has been an absolute pleasure of mine, and I cannot wait for everybody to get their hands on this book and for me to get mine as well. I'm going to order mine on Amazon. I'm so (laughs) excited. Um, This is going to be out the first week in January, so keep your eyes peeled, guys, and look for that link in the show notes. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. 